0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Luke chapter 8, we find the tremendous devotion of several women following and serving Jesus and his disciples. These women are indeed an example for all of us to follow. In these verses, Jesus gives us the parable of the four soils. Are you a farmer for Jesus? Do you have a lifestyle of consistently scattering the Word of God and the Gospel of Christ wherever you go? Do you have a lifestyle of studying the Word of God and receiving it and obeying it? Let's open our Bible now to Luke chapter 8 and learn how to better love Jesus and produce more fruit for Him. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Wednesday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him, growing to know his love for you and and, uh, above all, growing to obey him. As we spend more time with Jesus, every aspect of our lives will be edified, will be built up. We will be blessed in, in every way. Um, a growing relationship with Jesus Christ is, above all, the most meaningful and important aspect of human existence. Beginning at salvation, right? Um, John 1.12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, right? Um, You receive Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, and ultimately to to bring you to heaven when you die. The Bible is clear that all human beings are sinful, that all of us have fallen short of God's holy standard. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Jesus out of his own mouth in John 14.6 says, that I am the way, and the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. There, are no, there is no way to have our sin forgiven and to come into relationship with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, except in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. So everything begins with receiving Jesus. Are you currently trusting in Jesus today? Are you relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us, right? We don't just puppet some words or say some words. It's it's Jesus that saves us. We obviously use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. Have you called out to the Lord in humility? Have you humbled yourself before Jesus, acknowledged your sinfulness, and asked him to save you and and to be the Lord of your life? If you're not sure that you're trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you can do it now. Just humble yourself before him now, bow your head, and simply pray to him, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinful person. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that I'm hopeless, I'm helpless, I'm desperate. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came into this world for me and lived a perfect life for me and died a a torturous death for me. And I believe that you are alive and risen today, Lord Jesus. And I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life, And to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's how you become a Christian. A Christian is someone who's trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their souls. When you receive Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and joins himself to your spirit, and you become spiritually alive. You become a a newborn, a spiritually reborn creature, right? You're born naturally when you come into this world, right? When you're born physically, right? When you come out of your mother's womb, you're naturally alive, but you're spiritually dead. Your spirit is dead to God. Because of a sinful nature that every one of us has. When you receive Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, joins himself and becomes one with your spirit. And and you you come into spiritual life, right? You you have an explosion of eternal life. And you're not only naturally alive, but you're also spiritually alive. Um, And... God the Father becomes your heavenly Father and Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit becomes your guide, your counselor and your comforter. And now as a a child of God, you spend the rest of your life growing to know him, growing in your relationship with your heavenly Father, growing to know Jesus, growing to know and walk with the Holy Spirit, right? It's the greatest privilege of our lives to have growing relationship with the triune God. But it begins by receiving Jesus as your Savior. So I'll say again, if you're not certain you're a Christian, go back, rewind the tape, use the words that I used. But again, what's important is the genuineness and the sincerity of your heart, right? As sincere as you know how, confessing to Jesus that you know that you're a hopeless sinner and without him, only hell awaits, right? And give your life to Jesus today, and you'll you'll become part of the family of God. You'll become part of the body of Christ. You'll be part of the the bride of Christ, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Um, the last teaching was just a, you know, it was like a, you know, it was a, it was an incredible teaching. It was the last teaching. We finished the Gospel of John last time. Um, I don't know how many teachings there were. Um, Stephen or Dustin is going to. Hopefully, count them up so I'll know for next time. But I think there's probably like I don't know, 92, 93 teachings somewhere around there is what uh, is what they've told me. So, so we uh, we're, we're we're trying to seek the Lord and see what uh, what book He's going to have for us next. Uh, you know, I have some ideas, but we're not sure yet. But we did uh, we did Bible study yesterday, and we did Luke eight one to twenty one, and it was incredible. And I was studying it again this morning. And so I don't know how far I'll get. Uh, Hopefully I can get through, I don't know how far I'll get. I'm going to read through 15 and uh, we'll see how far we get. So Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we have our Bible, that we have these holy scriptures. But Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, for dying a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Luke 8 starting in verse 1. Powerful scriptures. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I huh, wow, pow, pow, pow. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, y'all it just, the more time you spend in the Bible, the more exciting all of this will be to you. The more you feed yourself in the Holy Scriptures, the more you feed your spirit and soul in the Word of God. The more real all this will become. You just you just heard the parable, right? And it's it's about the Word of God and the power of the Word of God, right? The importance of retaining the Word of God, obeying the Word of God, um, the uh, you know the, the importance of taking the Word of God seriously. And we're going to break down this parable. Um, Golly, I just, I mean, I just I want to jump right into it. Um, golly, verses one through. I, I gotta go back to one. All right, verse one. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. We uh were blessed to have uh one of the leaders in our ministry, Dustin, is back with us. And uh you know he was back uh he lives in nebraska now and he's he's part of a good church there and he's uh, he's involved um he's a leader but uh you know I, I we were talking yesterday and uh jesus went from one town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of god right and i said dustin what do you go from one town and village to another proclaiming right What we need to be proclaiming, the things that need to come out of our mouth is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And that in Jesus, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you you actually have relationship with Jesus and you can move and groove in the kingdom of God. We actually can walk and experience the kingdom of God while we're on earth in Jesus Christ our Lord. But the vast majority of us as Christians don't go from one town and village to another. We don't go about our days proclaiming the, the, the good news of the kingdom of God. For the vast majority of Christians, the things that come out of our mouth are actually counterproductive. They're not the good news of the kingdom of God, it's the bad news of what's wrong with everything, right? I mean, if you watch the news on TV, right, almost everything you watch is negative, okay? Everything is wrong. When you, when you listen to politicians, all they do is talk about what's wrong with everything everywhere, and there's no doubt. Everything is jacked up, but for for some amazing reason, when Jesus went from town to, to town and village, he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Make no mistake, everything is backward. Everything is upside down. But in Jesus Christ, right, Corinne, as you grow to know Jesus and walk with Jesus, you'll grow to to, to walk and experience the kingdom of God in a a profound way. And the more you do it, the more you'll want to do it, the more exciting it'll be to you, right? So let's, let's start to monitor the things we proclaim okay? Let's, re- let's, let's repent of the consistent gossip that we proclaim, right? There's really no need for you or I to speak negatively about anyone that's not in our presence, okay? If you have something to say to, to someone, you can go to them, right? Go to them personally, go to them privately and explain it to them, right? There is no benefit to you and I talking about what others are doing wrong outside of their presence, all right? It's something we, we all need to repent over, okay? Um, and, you know, we find coy or sly ways of doing this. Like, we'll say things like, I tell my wife everything, okay? It's unbiblical, it's sinful. You ought not tell your wife or your spouse or your children, right, right? Anything that's wrong with other people, why would you want to lead them down a path where they think less of others, right? Um, Anything that you share with anyone else that's going to cause that person to think lower of another person is wrong. It's sinful, okay? Um, Obviously, there are times where we can, with a genuine heart... Speak to someone out of the love of Christ, and we can talk about you know you know uh, the ministry that a particular individual needs, right, but you know let's say you you go off to work right, and you 're mistreated at work. almost all Christians will go home and they 'll have to complain to their spouse they'll often talk about it at the dinner table, and they'll talk about how wrong they were throughout the day, and what they've done is they've now led their wife, their children, and whoever else to think poorly about whoever they're talking about. So it's a, uh, it, it's, it's epidemic, obviously. Uh, the world does this every day, but as a church, we're not much better. And I'm sorry, Lord. And it's something we just need to, to repent of. The things that come out of our mouth, right? The words that come out of our mouth, they're all gonna be judged. What are you proclaiming? I believe it's what, is it Matthew 12? Is it uh, 36 and 37, if I'm not mistaken? I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but let me see. I think it's Matthew 12. I'm about to be there. 36 and 37, if I'm not mistaken. Matthew 12, verse 36. Now, hear these words, and you and I got some repenting to do. By me, I mean me and every person in the world. Verse 36, Jesus speaking. But I tell you that men will have to give an account On the day of judgment, for every careless word they have spoken. Oh my, Dustin. Did you hear that, son? I'm going to read that again. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. I mean, we have said some careless words. Now hear me, what are careless words? He's not just talking about like cuss words or angry words. Careless words are are when you speak and you don't care what's coming out of your mouth. You don't care whether it's right or wrong, true or false, appropriate or inappropriate. Uh, Lord, I could just fall on my face. Jesus takes our words serious, right? Why is that? Why does the Lord take our words so serious? Do you know that, that, that the universe was created by words? God said, Genesis 1, let there be light. And there was light. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the, the scripture come across your screen, right? God said, he spoke the universe into existence. He spoke the planets. He spoke the sun and the moon, right? He's, you know... The universe was created by words. So the Lord takes our words or what we proclaim out of our mouth serious. Father, I, I'm sorry. I just ask you to cleanse me of unrighteousness. Forgive me, Lord, of the, the seemingly consistent, careless words that that oftentimes still come out of my mouth. I ask you to cleanse me of unrighteousness, Lord. Help us, Lord, that you know, that we can have a sense of humor. We may be hopefully we can laugh and cut up, Lord, but. But help us to be discerning in our words, Lord, and and help me, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. All right. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This is incredible that Luke puts this in here. Um, one of the scholars, when I was studying this, made a point that Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, and this would have been a steward over the finances, right, of Herod's household, which would have been an extremely high position, and Mary Magdalene would have been at the lowest of positions. She was demon-possessed, right? in um, And yet here they are, two people from complete opposite aspects of society, serving Jesus and the 12 disciples and supporting them out of their own means, using their own money Um, and and just loving him and, you know, praising him and worshiping. I did not know this, but when I was studying for this, um, the scholars mentioned that, you know, it was only men. Throughout the New Testament, that were angry and bitter against Jesus. Mm. Um, These women are an example to all of us, okay? Um, They're coming and they have a heart to serve Jesus and to serve his people, right? Are you today, are you like Mary Magdalene? Are you like Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household? Are you like Susanna? And then the others, the nameless women that represent all women and should represent all women and men that have a heart to serve Jesus, to serve the gospel of Christ and to serve his people, right? And using their own means to do it, right? Look what Luke records. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. They had been touched by Jesus, right? And some women had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, right? When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and as you walk with him and grow to know him, you'll get healing in all kinds of ways, right, Steve-O? I mean, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, right, Melanie? We talk about it all the time. In Jesus Christ, and as you grow to know him, every aspect of your life will become more whole and more healed. Right, Dustin? Hope and healing, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, verse four. Now now we're gonna start rolling into this parable. My, my, my. Verse four, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Verse five, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Okay, now I'm going to go from there and I'm going to read verse 11 and 12. So, because this is where Jesus is going to explain the parable. Does that make sense? So I'll read verse five again. He's telling a parable, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Now we'll skip down to verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So we're going to see there are four different kinds of soil here. Representing four different kinds of individuals, right? Christians and non-Christians. Okay, The most important aspect of all of this most impact it's most important aspect of this teaching of all teachings of everything we do is verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Okay, The gospel is the word of God. The good news that Jesus came and lived a perfect life for us, died a torturous death from us and was raised from the dead. For all humanity, as we're all just worthless, helpless sinners in need of a savior, and without him only hell awakes, is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Okay? And a farmer is going out and scattering the seed and sowing the seed. And as we said in Bible study yesterday, are you a farmer today? Most of us aren't farmers. What do you think about when you think of a farmer, right? I think of a, of a, of a farmer as a man who raised, who rises early in the morning, right, sweetheart? That's my wife, Meg. A farmer rises early in the morning and he puts his overalls on and he latches it up like that and he gets it over both shoulders, Scott, right? And he fills his bag with seed, right? And he goes out early in the morning and he's scattering that seed, right? because he wants to see a harvest. Are you a farmer today? Very few of us are farmers, right? We could, all, we could all do to be a little bit better farmers, right? Matter of fact, we could all do to be a whole lot better farmers because when we get up in the morning, as I already said, we're filling our bag, but it's not with the seed of the word of God, right? We're filling our bag up with all kinds of things, right? And we're scattering it wherever we go, but it's generally not the word of God, right? We need to be farmers that get up in the morning, praising and worshiping Jesus, spending time in our Bible, spending time in the scriptures, filling up our seed bag, and then going out and scattering the word of God, scattering the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Giving away Bible tracts. You can go to the Go to the website that's uh, kingdomd.org or or uh kingdomdiscipleship.org and or I think it's kingdom discipleship or just kingdomd.org and you'll see there are gospel tracks on there. Um you can print them, everything is free, and uh, you know, and give them away, right? Leave them places, leave it in a in a in a restaurant bathroom, right? Put them on windshields, right? Um, you know, give them away, right? Just uh Scatter the seed of the word of God, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Why does the devil do this, Esther? Why is the devil doing this, Uncle Dennis. Apparently the devil knows there's power in that seed, Dustin. Apparently the devil realizes, better than the vast majority of Christians, that the word of God has power, because otherwise he would just let it stay. Y'all seeing that? Wow. Those along the past are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So that they may not believe and be saved. Why would he so quickly want to come and take away the word of God? And how does he do it? Right? So when you hear the gospel, when someone shares the gospel, when you hear me talk about the gospel, and have you noticed that sometimes like dozens of other ridiculous things can come into our minds? Right? When he says the devil here, it means the devil and all the fallen angels, all the demons. Right? Revelation tells us that, you know, and uh, I believe it's in John chapter, uh, Revelation 4 or 5, that John saw 10,000 times 10,000. Okay. If you do the math on that, that's 100 million. 100 million angels. Then you go over to Revelation 12, and this is just my, you know, my study, and it says that a third of the angels along with the devil were, were defeated and tossed down to the earth. So we take that 100 million And we take a third of them, that's 33 million, right? Uh, You know, 333,333, right? That's a lot of demons roaming around and they don't die, right? So this is what they do, right? Is when the word of God is shared, the devil and by extension, his demons come and take away the word from their hearts. Look what it says. So that they may not believe and be saved. Why would he work so hard at taking away the word of God? Because he understands that this word of God has power like nothing else. You already heard me say that the word of God created the universe. God said by his words, let there be light. Pow. Light, right? If we understood the power of the word of God, as well as the devil and the demons did, um, we'd be, matter of fact, Jesus could have probably came already. and We could be up out of here, right? I hope Jesus comes before this teaching ends, okay? But in order that to happen, right, 2 Peter 3, 9 said he's patient and is coming because he doesn't want anyone to perish, right? But everyone to be saved and come to repentance, if we could be as serious about sharing the Word of God and scattering the Word of God and planting the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God and studying the Word of God and obeying the Word of God, as the devil and his demons are about taking the Word of God out of the people's hearts, again, the church would, would, be, would have a power and a meaning like we saw in the book of Acts. Regrettably, that's not where we are today, Right? Um, so it says those along the path are the ones who hear, right? And so because, you know, when the gospel is being shared, if you if you're not sure you know Jesus today, we need to pay attention, right? There's a book, Screw Letters, written by C.S. Lewis. It ought to be mandatory reading for every every person in the world, right? And you know, in uh, in the first chapter, uh Screwtape, and Screwtape is the senior demon. And throughout the, the book, Screwtape is mentoring the younger demon, Wormwood, on how to lead humanity astray. And, uh, you know, and, you know, the man was thinking about the gospel and, you know, um, and the Holy Spirit was right there, you know, convicting the man of the gospel. And Screwtape said, you know, I immediately, you know, you know, took the man under the control that I had best, which was his appetites. And I talked to the man and the, the, the devil, the demon, Screwtape put in the man's mind, isn't it about time for lunch? Yeah. A lot of the guys I'm around, right? They're more, they're more concerned about lunch than they are about the word of God, right? And so Screwtape puts in the man's, man, this is too heavy a conversation for you to think about now. It's about time you think about lunch and have lunch. And then look at that bus over there and notice that over there. And pretty soon he had the word of God swept out of his mind. And Screwtape said, he's now safely home. In hell. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, right? So the path again is, is just it's, it represents a hard heart, right? You remember verse 5: A farmer went out to sow a seed as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. It was strapped, it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Okay, so Jesus is explaining the parable. It's Again, it represents a hard heart or hard ground. All right, now we'll do verse six. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Look at verse 13. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So again, remember, four different types of soil, right? This second type of soil, right, are people who do hear the word of God. They hear the gospel, and when they hear it, it's, they're excited about it, and they're joyful on it, but they have no root, okay? It doesn't go down deep. They don't take care to make sure it does go down deep. When you're listening to these teachings, okay, when you're studying your Bible, when you're listening to other YouTube teachings, when you're in church and the minister is hopefully teaching you the word of God, right? You need to take care to honor that word, to water that word, to make sure that the seed of the word of God is going deep down into the roots of your heart, okay? Because when it, if, it, if it doesn't get down into the roots of your heart, you know, it, it can easily just fade away. Excuse me. And Jesus said, in the time of testing, they fall away. Okay? We need to take care as Christians to make sure this Bible, these scriptures, are getting deep into our hearts, Learn, right? The scripture needs to get deep down into our hearts. Mm. Help us, Lord Jesus. We need to be intentional, right? With our own life. And with others, right? Continuing to make sure that we and all those around us, all our friends, family, and acquaintances are getting the word of God deep into their hearts. Mm. We need to have it rooted, right? We need to have the roots in us that are not good pulled out. And we need to get the word of God deeply rooted in our spirit and our soul, in our heart. Verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Look at verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. I mean, let me read that again. Because this... This really applies undoubtedly to the majority of the church, the majority of the people in church. Um, and certainly every one of us have experienced different aspects of these seeds, right? Um, the seed that fell amongst thorns, Jesus said, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. They hear the word of God, but as they go on their way, right? So you're listening to the word of God now. As they go on their way, they are choked, by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. I mean, Jesus just hit us all square between the eyes right there, right, Chris? They are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. How much are we choked by worrying about everything? All of us, certainly myself, right? We're consistently worried about things, and that's choking the seed of the Word of God, right? You notice it's the seed of the Word of God that brings maturity, right? It's, it's why we do this. Above all things, we do need to pray. We do need to worship, right? Um, we do need to praise Him. We do need to honor Him, but it's the seed of the Word of God that's going to bring maturity in your life, right? The seed. Verse 14, the word of God. Verse 13, it's the seed on the rock. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word when they hear it, right? The seed is the word of God. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life worries. Then they're choked by riches, right? How much time do we spend thinking about money? Seriously, all the time, right? And it's obviously we're more comfortable the more money we have, anyone who says otherwise is lying, right? Or they've never been in a place where they've struggled, right? Now, again, it's, uh, if, if you're faithful with, with resources, it's a good thing, right? Having money is, is it, can be a very good thing for those that are faithful and know how to steward it in Christ, right? But the more you have, the more responsibility you have. Make no mistake. The more resources you have, and the people that listen to these teachings are generally, I mean, there's people in Africa, you don't have as much money. And because of that, you don't have the responsibility that go with having that much money. But make no mistake, Kristen, to whom much is given, much is expected. And you're loaded, right? You too, Lauren, Nathan. Those are my children. My daughter's Kristen and Lauren, and Nathan is Kristen's husband. Fine young man. Well, I mean, he could be better, but all right. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by, life, they're choked by life's worries. Worry, worry, worry. Choked on riches, all the dollars in your pocket, right? Choking on it, right? Choked on life's worries, riches, and pleasures, right? And they do not mature. I mean, again, uh, the pursuit of pleasure and fun is an idle in almost every Christian's life, right? Meaning it's fine to enjoy life. It's fine to watch a movie. It's fine to play a game. It's fine to exercise. It's fine to do all the hobbies that we do. It's fine to eat in nice places, right? But but these things, when, when we pursue them in excess, which almost the entire Western church does, right? It becomes now Uh, 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 an excess pursuit, an extravagant pursuit of pleasure. And because of that, we do not mature. Okay. There's anything we need to repent over as genuine Christians. It's that we're being choked, right? The seed of the word of God is choked out by all kinds of worries, riches and pleasures. Help us, Lord Jesus. And finally, Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, persevering by doing it, produce a crop. You notice it's only the last seed that's a productive seed in the kingdom of God. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. The more you get the word of God in you, the more the word of God goes deeply into you. The more the roots of the word of God go deeply into you. The more you you repent, and it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy to repent of worrying all the time and thinking about money and pursuing pleasure, right? The more that that word of God gets in you, the more your heart will be transformed into a noble and good heart. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it. Okay. So when you're hearing the word of God, when you're studying the word of God, right? You want to retain it, right? Corinne, you want to think about it. You want to meditate on it, Peyton. You want to study it, Chloe, right? But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it in. And by persevering, Benny, produce a crop. Wow. Jesus said in, you know, in verse eight, that. Still the seed, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. So if you look at the percentages, if you're a farmer out sowing the word of God, and by the way, it's not just a professional minister who needs to be a farmer. And I'll say this, those of us that are ministers and make our living, we need to be a whole lot better farmers, right? But every Christian is required to be a farmer in scattering the seed. But, but you notice, you know, one of four seeds took deep enough root to bring a crop unto maturity. Mm. Wow. Help us, Lord Jesus. Verse 8, when he said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Do you have ears to hear today? Are you hearing this parable? Is it convicting you? Are you going to go out and live differently? Verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. Verse 10, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. Scholars had a good word on this. Because, you know, we can ask ourselves, why does Jesus only, you know, speak in parables to his disciples? now there's a lot of reasons. Uh, One of the reasons I had not considered that I'll say first is that, you know, if if Jesus continued to, you know, give the deep insights of the word of God to people who have no desire for it, their condemnation would be greater, okay? So Jesus actually is is giving them a mercy, okay? If you have no heart for the word of God, no care for the word of God, if you're indifferent toward Jesus and toward the scriptures, then Jesus is doing you a service because too much is given, much is expected. And so he's saving them a deeper condemnation, right? Uh, A greater judgment. Um, And I believe that, uh, is that Isaiah 6, 9? Let me see, I think, yes, okay. So he's quoting there when he says, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that, quote, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. That's Isaiah 6, verse 9, he's quoting. Jesus does not give the deep insights of the Word of God for people who are indifferent toward it, who are cavalier toward it, who are really not interested in it. If you want to get more excited about the Scriptures, I was talking to my son-in-law, Nathan, about this on Saturday, this past Saturday, that the more devotion you have to Christ, the more time you spend in the Word of God, the more you look to retain it, and to persevere in obeying it, and to repent when you fall short, the more revelation you'll have of all of these things, more the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God will be given to you, as he just says to his disciples here, right? Um, Just just a church-going Christian, a Christian who only goes to church but really has no relationship with Christ other than that, or someone who's just a Christian in name only, you're not going to have the knowledge of the secrets, and because you don't have it, This whole thing won't be that exciting to you, right? And again, oftentimes walking with Jesus, any relationship takes effort. But the more time you spend in the word of God, the more time you spend feeding your spirit and soul, the more time you spend as a farmer scattering that seed, the more you will have the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God, Tom, right? And the more exciting all of this will become, the more you'll want to do it. And Jesus said, you'll bear a crop a hundred times what was sown. Father, I ask you to forgive us. Forgive me where we have been indifferent toward the scriptures, where we have not labored to retain your word and to study your word and to magnify your word and to obey your word and to teach others your word, Lord. Father, I ask you to cleanse us of that unrighteousness. Father, we desire, I desire to have the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God, Lord. I thank you for that which I have. And I pray for myself and all of us, Father, that we would, that we would, we would be more serious about the seed of the word of God. And that we would, we would drive it deep into our hearts, Lord. I ask you to rebuke the devourer, the devil and his demons from myself. In all those around the world, Lord, that the seed of the word of God would go deep. And I ask you to help us to to repent, Lord, for not taking the word of God and believing by faith the power of the word of God with the clear faith that the devil and his demons have in the word of God, knowing the power that it has to not only save us, but to drive us unto maturity. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your goodness and your favor and your grace. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this word to our hearts now. Give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.